The big guy is 0 for 4. Yep, he's had four shots. I think that's two regulars and two boosters. And now he has COVID. So it's back to the basement for Joe. And here he was one year ago today. You're okay. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Yeah, you're fine. Just get the shot. You'll be just fine. Don't worry about it. So he's had two more shots after that. In December, about a week before Christmas, he said, we're looking at a winter of severe illness and death for the unvaccinated. And he was back after Christmas, I think it was early January, with this. There's no excuse. No excuse for anyone being unvaccinated. This continues to be a pandemic of the unvaccinated. So we got to make more progress. Well, of course, we know now that it was a pandemic of overreaction and stupidity. Not that it wasn't serious and a lot of people died and not that the vaccine wasn't a good thing, but it was an overreaction from governments around the world. And it's not over yet, of course. Uh, Los Angeles County is getting ready for another indoor masking mandate. And we're hearing rumblings, of course, about uh, another variant that we're supposed to be afraid of. And people like Joe are going to be more than happy to give you advice on how to handle it and then punish you if you don't listen to them. Meanwhile, uh, fear-mongering about climate change may have surpassed fear-mongering about COVID-19. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk to an expert about Joe's plans to save the planet, just as he saved you from covid And in our second half hour, liberals are trashing the homes and the reputations of Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. Stick around. When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Stogerwall. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at windowsrustpittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsrustpittsburgh.com. My dog was scratching and shedding like crazy around the house. When I heard about Dynavite Nutritional Supplement, I thought, why not? Couldn't hurt. We literally tried everything else. Our dog quickly took to it, and after a couple of weeks of adding Dynavite to his food, we noticed a big difference. Our little gizmo's coat was shinier, and he almost completely stopped shedding and itching. I'm so glad I tried Dynavite. My dog smelled so bad and scratched herself constantly. We bathed, sprayed, and bathed her again, but no results. And then I heard about Dynavite supplements for gut health, and all of the reviews sounded just like my Bella. After just two weeks, she had major improvements with the smell, and no more scratching or dragging her stomach across the carpet. And her coat is more beautiful than ever. Get 10% off your next order of Dynavite nutritional supplements for dogs at Dynavite.com. Happier, healthier with every bite. Over a million pets helped with Dynavite. This is important news. If you have unfiled tax returns, the IRS is shifting 
shifting gears and ramping up investigations on non-filers this year. If you fail to file your tax returns for a year or more or you owe back taxes, now's the time to call Optima Tax Relief before the IRS finds you. Optima is America's number one most trusted tax resolution firm specialized in helping individuals, families, and businesses get right with the IRS. They're experts in the Taxpayer Relief Initiative, a powerful new program that can make resolving tax issues easier. A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, Optima's award-winning team has helped thousands of people protect their paychecks, bank accounts, homes, and businesses by putting their tax problems to rest, resolving over $1 billion in tax debts for their clients. Call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call Select Quote at 1-800-690-4040. That's 1-800-690-4040. Or go to SelectQuote.com. 1-800-690-4040. That's 1-800-690-4040. Select Quote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Hey, baby, you've noticed it's uh, it's kind of hot. It's a lot hotter in Texas and even in Europe. And the green fanatics are loving it, of course. The big guy threatened us with executive orders yesterday. Pete Buttigieg says we should all get electric cars. None of this is a surprise to Daniel Turner. He's the executive director of Power of the Future. He joins us now. Daniel, thanks for coming on. Always good to have you for uh, when this kind of stuff pops up. So um, uh, before he and his uh, uh, four vaccinations uh, tested positive for COVID, uh, Joe declared climate change an emergency. So what should we be expecting from him now? Well, you know, if if the last couple of years were any indication um, when a president sees something as an emergency, he suddenly has powers and sources of money that never previously before did a president have. And what I'm talking about, obviously, is COVID. Um, and, and that is why the Green Movement has wanted the president to declare an emergency, because as we saw with COVID, once you say it's an emergency, you can tell people they can't go to church on Sunday. right? You can tell kids they can't go to school and, and people can't go to their job and, and mom and pop shops, you can shut them down and deem them non-essential, even though the big box retailer next door, you know, that group that has very powerful lobbyists in DC, even though they're allowed to stay open. And so your Wendy's and McDonald's are open, but, but the little family diner, nope, you got to close. You're not essential. Um, all this because presidents in the, in the past said, well, this is an emergency and therefore, I have unconstitutional powers. Um, so I don't know what to expect from Joe Biden now that we are considering climate an emergency. Uh, but I have a feeling it's going to trample on your rights and liberties. That's for sure. 
Yeah, and the the, uh, the essential um, um, stuff is an interesting point because it'd be very easy to say that you know we've decided that um, your business that is uh, spewing a certain amount of uh, pollutants into the air that we're not too happy with, we've declared that your business is not essential enough to uh, stay open, and because you're, you know, your the the bad outweighs the good. So sorry, but you're going to have to stay closed for a while. Absolutely, and and we see the, uh, the many agencies in the federal government already doing this under the direction of the Biden administration. So, for example, the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, well, they want to determine the value of a company's stock based upon their carbon footprint. So, if you're a company like Google, who they love. Right. Google, they're going to say, has a very low carbon footprint because Google claims they're carbon neutral because they buy those silly Al Gore green carbon credits. But if you're a company like Walmart that has four million employees and almost every one of them is probably driving to work every day, well, your stock value is now worth much less because we, the Biden administration, don't like the fact that you have four million employees driving a car. So if Walmart's trading at 100 today, the SEC is going to say, nope, it's trading at 85, too much carbon. And again, you scratch your head and say, well, does the Securities and Exchange Commission have this power? Well, now they do because of climate. And this is exactly what we'll see happen across the federal government. Once we start declaring things emergencies, it will never stop. Yeah, and it's uh, all they got to do is throw a common good in there, and that's that justifies yes. everything. <laughs> and and there are multiple steps in the emergency. I, I wrote about this in an op-ed a couple months ago because I like to think I, I was ahead of the curve on this, and I did predict this would happen. But there are a couple of steps that are the same. You have to start with fear. You have to convince people, right, we're going to die. This is very serious. Lives are at stake. The second one you just said the common good. You tell people, don't be selfish. Oh, do you want, so you want grandma to die? Right? You, you're, we all heard that language. We're all in this together. Right? The common good is very, very important. The third step, data. Don't question it. Don't ask to see the work. The masks work. Don't ask that question because you go back to step two. Oh, Yo, you want grandma to die? No, I just want to know, do we have any data that, that masks work? Don't ask that question. You're a denier. Right. If you say, do we have any evidence that climate change is killing the planet? So you're denying climate change. Well, now we get to make fun of you and burn you at the stake. That's the third step. And the fourth step is the elite are all exempt. Right. John Kerry's never given up his ketchup jet. He never, never is because he doesn't have to. He's powerful and important, just like Nancy Pelosi is always going to get her hair cut during a lockdown. She's the Speaker of the House. She doesn't have to follow these silly rules. The rules are for us, not for them. And then the last step, and again, we'll see this, Not we, the, the parallels are uncanny. The last step, it's, we never win, right? We never say the virus was defeated. You can go back to normal. Yep. California is going back to masks, Yep. right? Mm-hmm. 22 years later after the war on terror, Mr. Steigerwald, we're still taking our belts off to get on an airplane. Shoes. Why? Because we've, we've never beat the enemy. Now we live in a perpetual state of this perpetual yeah. failure. And that's exactly what will happen with climate. We will never get to the point with the Biden administration that we won the war on climate because the Greens are never satiated. 
It's pretty scary. Um, I saw a soundbite today from, I had, I had seen it before, but it was uh, Project Veritas undercover at CNN, and they were, um, they, they were talking to an executive producer of some kind, and he said right out loud that when COVID is done, when we're done with COVID, our next thing is climate. And the, yeah. he didn't know he was being recorded, and the person talking to him said, well, what do you mean? He said, "Well, we start scaring people with climate. That's uh, I've already we've, they've already talked about that. They've had meetings about it. And when COVID is finished, our next move is climate. Now I don't know if they're doing it because they're uh, as legitimately stupid and afraid, or they're doing it because they know it's for good ratings. It might be a little bit of a combination of both. It probably is a little bit of a combination of both, but but also." Um, there is something very titillating about the fear, right? Mm -hmm. We're all going to die. They love to show these maps of the country with bright red flames, as if to say Houston in July, is is it an anomaly that it's 105 degrees? It's Houston in July. When you look at 30-year, 50-year, 100-year averages, this is standard, right? And, And again, proof of this is the fact that they waited till now for this climate emergency, because it would have been really funny to talk about how we're all going to die from a warm planet with snow, right? So they had to wait until the middle of summer. And June, we had the coolest June in, of, of, of this millennia, right? We have, we have to go back to the 1900s to find a June nationwide that was this cold. And especially where I live in rural Virginia, we, were, we marveled at how cold it was in June. So they couldn't do it in June because it was too darn cold. But July got hot, and now they said, oh, boy, let's tell everyone the climate's, the climate's on fire. It's just a bunch of theatrics. It's opportunism, and that's why it's a real threat. They just want power. Yeah, and it's, now it's an emergency. Um, <laughs> exactly. I, I, uh, many years ago, back in the 70s, I, in one of my first jobs, I was a minor league baseball announcer in the Texas League. Actually, it was the inter- actually it was the American Association, but uh, I had to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma City, uh, Oklahoma for games, and it was 110 degrees. It was a, it was a, I, I couldn't believe it. Now, now, I don't know if it was officially 110, but I remember walking into the ballpark in Oklahoma City, and they had a a, 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 a sign with a temperature on it, and it said 110. This was about four o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know how people live in that, but it's not new. Yeah. It's not new. It's not. No, it, it's not remotely new, and that's the, that's the nonsense that we play, and we have to use, again, those, those steps of fear and have them be convinced that this is, that this is very abnormal. And it's not, right? It, it, it's, it's not strange to have these temperatures in the middle of summer in, in the United States of America. And, and even if you thought it was strange, even if you thought it was an anomaly, Look at how much more we're thriving despite it, right? We, we, you know, the, right. the electric grid is what's faltering, but that's the, that's the fault of these, these silly wind turbines and solar panels that don't work and taking reliable fossil fuels offline. But, but that aside, we're still going about our day, right? We're, we're still living our lives. And so why do they always want us to be so afraid when really we don't need to be? Uh, we're talking to Daniel Turner, Executive Director of Power of the Future, so they were up over um, 100 degrees in Europe. Um, how's their uh, green energy plan handling that? 
Yeah, well, that was all the news this week. London was 104, and that is hot for London. There's no doubt that is a crazy heat wave. But today, I tweeted this a couple hours ago, today it was 73 and raining in London, and that's kind of normal. So rather than just accept that this was one weird fluke and you go about your life, we pretend it's the beginning of, of, of a catastrophe. But Europe has embraced all of this green energy, and, and I'll give you a couple of wonderful results. The country of Germany, they have spent half a, half a trillion, that's a T as in Turner, half a trillion dollars over the last 20 years on wind turbines. And 20 years later, their emissions are higher. So if you care about emissions, well, they're not greener. The average German family pays five times more than they were paying for electricity 20 years ago. Well, don't they always tell us the wind is free? So the wind and the sun are free, so the electricity is going to be cheap. But no, they're paying a lot, lot more. They're also petrified of Vladimir Putin because they're totally dependent upon him for their natural gas. And so I would love to ask Angela Merkel, who really drove all of this green energy stuff, when does it work? Right? If it's been 20 years and half a trillion dollars, when does the good part of green energy start to kick in? Because you're telling people to turn off their electric grid, uh, Hamburg, Germany, the second largest city, is struggling to keep hot water heaters going, and they're asking people to turn off their hot water heater because their electric grid is that vulnerable. So when does the green energy start to do its job? Because right now it's nothing but a failure. So, so we Daniel, don't have to have this conversation. So why, why are they paying five times more for uh, energy? Uh, I, I mean, is, is it just a simple... Um, case of supply and demand by reverting to uh, green energy that it's just there's not as much electricity to, to be had or is it uh, is it cost that much more to produce it it costs that much more to produce it you have to subsidize these wind turbines and also when the, the wind turbines are not working which they normally aren't if you're the electric grid you have to ramp up productivity of fossil fuels which means you have to buy it at a premium at the last minute. If you are a fossil fuel operator, if you are a natural gas power plant, a coal power plant, you know how much, how, how many megawatts you have to produce on a daily basis. So you know how much fossil fuel your plant requires. But if you're waiting for the variable of the wind, you have no idea how much you're supposed to buy. So it would be the same with any other supplier. Uh, if you're buying hot dog buns because we'll use your baseball stadium analogy again, you know how many to buy. But if, if you find out the day of the game, oh, no, John, you got to get 40,000 hot dog buns. Well, look at the scramble right? yeah. and, look at, and, and look at how much it's going to cost you because you didn't plan ahead. The electric grid works the exact same way. Well, um, over here, uh, Pete Buttigieg. Uh, is still out there pushing electric cars as a way for people to beat high gas prices. Uh, that can't be going over very well with the average American right now. Just go, no, go, go buy and, an electric car and you'll be fine. It's really insulting because, because they are very expensive. They're also very small, and we don't talk about that. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you in person. I hope to one day. Um, but I'm 6'3". Um, I've been in a Tesla. Mm -hmm. it, it is not comfortable um, so they're very small. The Wall Street Journal had a wonderful article a couple of weeks ago. They hooked up a, a empty two-horse trailer to a uh, Ford F-150, the electric F-150. 
Um, now, someone who works on an, on a, I live on a working farm. I'm very familiar with hooking up trailers to a pickup truck. And on the electric Ford F-150, it went 85 miles before the battery was dead. 85 miles. That is not very far hauling a trailer. So, so what farmer, what real farmer is going to buy an electric F-150? So not only are they very expensive, but for many of us who need our vehicles for more than just a luxury, we're, we're not all 16-year-old boys trying to pick up a girl in, in a flashy car. A lot of us, the vehicle has practicality. Again, it's like my question for when does green energy work? When do the electric vehicles work? When, when do they start to become accessible for the average American? Yeah, well, and and that, that farmer who uh, is expected to drive the electric F-150, he's also got to have electric tractors, electric po- uh, plows, electric uh, weed cutters, electric lawnmowers. Uh, who's gonna, where's he going to plug all that stuff in? <laughs> and how long are they going to last? Yeah. You know, I have to do a little experiment because I have an electric weed whacker and mm-hmm. I have a gas-powered weed whacker, and I've used them both. And i got to tell you, the electric one stinks. Why it doesn't nearly generate the power. Why? Because green energy doesn't generate that much power yet. It may one day, but right now it doesn't. And I don't live in tomorrow. I live right now. And for Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg to tell me that I should pretend it's the Jetson era, that's offensive because I live right here on this earth right now, and I need things that work. Starting with a government that works. Aren't they in Texas already asking people not to charge their cars uh, during certain hours or certain days during this heat wave? And, and California, yes, because the, the strain on the electric grid. California, Texas was asking people to raise their thermostats to closer to 80 degrees. Sure. And they were asking people not to use their washing machines during the day. So, so wh- again, this is progress. Is this the future, John? That, that we're not supposed to live the abundance of our life. I got to tell you, I knew my grandparents very well. They were Depression-era people. I never remember them saying they couldn't wash the clothes at 4 in the afternoon. Nope. Right? We're going backwards. <laughs> yeah, and I got about a minute and a half left here. Um, and, you know, if, if when, when you're talking about um, blackouts, th- these people, um, they seem to have been rooting for and are happy with the price of gas right now. That would uh, lead me to believe that they'd also be rooting for blackouts. They would think that, they wouldn't yeah. say it out loud, but they'd think it was a good thing because it would force, I yeah. don't know, I, just for some reason, they'd think it was wonderful. Well, Mr. Buttigieg said when he was at, uh, at that congressional hearing that when the pain is enough or there's enough pain inflicted, people will move to electric vehicles. And, and that is definitely true, but that is the most awful misanthropic uh, view you have of, of people. You're a public servant, right? And to think that you look at the American people with that much disdain, when they suffer enough, then they will want them to do. Holy cow. I mean, that, that sounds to me like something that Mao Zedong would have said about, about his people. And that's the way they look at us. They look at us as people who need to suffer to, to put their agenda in place. And, and that makes them our sworn enemy, and that's why Power of the Future exists. It's sick. Hey, Daniel, I'm out of time, uh, and I'm glad Power of the Future exists, and I'm glad to have you come on the radio and uh, enlighten us. I appreciate it. 
Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. Okay, that's Daniel Turner, and he's executive director of Power the Future. We'll be right back. Breaking news this hour from townhall.com. I'm John Scott. President Biden has the coronavirus. Speaking to reporters, First Lady Jill Biden says her husband is doing well after testing positive. I talked to him just a few minutes ago. He's doing fine. He's feeling good. Uh, I tested negative this morning. I am going to keep my schedule. I am, according to CDC guidelines, I am keeping masks. Speaking at a White House news conference in the last few minutes, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre says the president is expected to be fine. The president is fully vaccinated and twice boosted. So I anticipate that he will respond favorably as most as most maximally protected patients do. There's no word on whether the president may have contracted the virus. Charlie Dombeck here from Key City Capital. As a practicing CPA for nearly 30 years, I have found that 80% of your ability to grow your wealth is dependent upon two factors, taxes and investment performance. At Key City Capital, we improve investment performance by diversifying capital into off-market investment opportunities in passive rental real estate and alternatives like asset-backed lending. We recover dollars that clients unnecessarily pay in the form of income taxes, creating a lifetime annuity of savings. We are a sponsor of passive, affordable single and multifamily residential rental investments, which are located in Sunbelt landlord-friendly states. These investments are the top choices in a rising interest rate and inflationary environment. They represent a store of value protecting your capital from market volatility. Learn how we at Key City Capital can help you ultimately grow your wealth rapidly. Connect with me at keycitycapital.com or give me a call at 817-912-1569. Jay Sekulow and crew sees Iran playing more games. They've said they're capable of building a nuclear bomb and there's been no decision yet by Iran to build one. I think what we have to look for this administration is Iran is trying to blackmail, they are trying to extort money and sanctions relief. Secular, live, weeknights at 6, right before Brandon Tatum at 7, on AM 1250, The Answer. Chances are you're jamming in your car right now. And since Liberty Mutual customizes car insurance, so you only pay for what you need, Limu and I are going to show you some safe car dance moves. Hit it. Everybody, check your blind spots real quick. Now hands on the wheel. Put them 10 in two and move your head like a bird do. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. This is important news. If you have unfiled tax returns, the IRS is shifting gears and ramping up investigations on non-filers this year. If you fail to file your tax returns for a year or more or you owe back taxes, now's the time to call Optima Tax Relief before the IRS finds you. Optima is America's number one most trusted tax resolution firm. Specialized in helping individuals, families, and businesses get right with the IRS. 
They're experts in the Taxpayer Relief Initiative, a powerful new program that can make resolving tax issues easier. A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, Optima's award-winning team has helped thousands of people protect their paychecks, bank accounts, homes, and businesses by putting their tax problems to rest, resolving over $1 billion in tax debts for their clients. Call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Very busy day in the Bergen still is as we wrap up for the afternoon, but Parkway East inbound, it is stacked up Bait Street to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Now, we've also got some huge delays into Burgettstown, westbound 22, all tied up and 18 in the area. There's a Morgan Wallen concert in that area tonight. On inbound Parkway North, that looks busy from Reedsdale Street to the Fort Pitt Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. Clear skies expected for tonight. We'll see a nighttime low of 69. Mostly sunny, very warm and humid tomorrow. Tomorrow will reach a high of 87. Tomorrow night, we'll see mainly clear skies. It will be humid with a low of 67. Saturday will be very warm and humid with sunshine and a few clouds and a high of 89. Sunday, hot, humid, intervals of clouds and sun with a high of 92. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Now, visiting uh, Monticello has always been one of those things I've said I was going to do someday. Uh, same with Mount Vernon. And uh, Mont... P- 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 Help me with the pronunciation here, um, <laughs> Brenda. Montpelier. Yeah, that's the home of James Madison, but it might be time to scratch them off my list. Um, I don't know if the liberals have ruined George Washington's home yet, but they're on their way with Jefferson's and Madison's at Montpelier. Uh, Brenda Farah is with the Center for American Studies at the Heritage Foundation, and she joins us now. Brenda, a little shaky start there, but thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, John. (laughs) Um, uh, But Madison's home uh, seems to be in the news now. Uh, they seem to have uh, started with Jefferson, but let's start with Monticello. W- what happened there, and who's responsible? So at Monticello, Jefferson has been at best sidelined. There are no exhibits at Monticello on the Declaration of Independence, the Virginia Statute of Religious Freedom, Jefferson as Minister to France, Vice President, President. So at best, you learn very little about Thomas Jefferson himself when you go to Monticello. It has evolved quite a bit over the past several years where there's a 45-minute tour of the house and a two-and-a-half-hour tour on From Slavery to Freedom, which is in addition to an hour-long tour on slavery as well. So it has shifted its focus, and that shift seems to be building in momentum at Monticello. Yeah, I just thought of this just now because I was thinking uh, the only presidential house that I've ever toured was Harry Truman's in Independence, Missouri. And it just occurred to me just now that if, if, if how long before that becomes just a shrine to his crime of dropping the atomic bomb on Japan? Uh, that That's kind of the – would that be a good comparison? I think that seems 
like a fair comparison. And you bring up a good point because James Madison's Montpelier is the worst offender, I would say, that I know of. And the National Trust for Historic Preservation that owns Montpelier actually owns 27 other historical sites around the country. So we need to be really vigilant in making sure that this narrative doesn't continue to creep at other historic places. How did they get control of so many? Well, the the homes are privately owned, so you have to go on a case-by-case basis. At Montpelier, there was a recent coup, I would say, of the board, and the board had a conflict between themselves and what is called the Montpelier Descendant Committee, which they include people who are descendants of those who were enslaved at Montpelier, those who were enslaved in the area, and according to a Montpelier document, they believe this definition can transcend the genealogical connection to apply to anyone who feels like they are connected to the work the institution is doing, whether or not they know of a genealogical connection. So that opened the door for folks like Soledad O'Brien, former CNN host, Mm -hmm. to be invited to the board, a woman whose work has appeared in the 1619 Project, and Hassan Jeffries, who is an associate of the Southern Poverty Law Center. So it's it's almost uh, like they they see an opportunity here and they jumped on it. Um, hey, this is an opening here. Let's uh, let's get our hands on this and completely change what this was intended to be to what we want it to be. I think that's right. This move seemed to be more, far more about political ideology than about genealogy. Yeah, and and uh, the, what you mentioned about Thomas Jefferson, uh, back to Monticello for a second, uh, all the things you said that are not included, uh, but it makes you believe that, it makes you wonder, what's the point? If those things aren't there, why am I going there? And if I go there uh, expecting to see uh, a tribute uh, and uh, a remembrance of Thomas Jefferson and why he's important— and none of that stuff is there. Don't I? Aren't, shouldn't I be asking? What am I doing here? I think that's a fair question, and I would say that this is part of a larger movement that has been gaining traction in the past several years to discredit and sideline the American founders and the history of America. And I would include the authors of the 1619 Project, for example in that overall project. And at Montpelier, they also say there are more defeats in pursuit of justice and fairness and equality in American history than there are moments of triumph, which is just an absurd claim. So I think the overall motivation is that if you can discredit the founding generation who put forth this principle that all men are created equal and generations of Americans have contributed to the work of moving closer to the realization of that principle. If you can discredit them, you can discredit their principles and the Constitution itself. And then you open up the opportunity for that to be replaced by something else, the ideas of critical race theory or identity politics. Well, would it it be or could it have been possible for the people who are responsible for this 
to convey the, the nuance, nuances of, of Jefferson's attitudes about slavery and his, uh, his contribution to the end of it on a museum tour, could they not have worked that in there and still been able to give slavery enough of a mention, to, the, 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 uh, enough mention that it deserved? Right. So I think there is some of that going on. There's at both Monticello and Montpelier, they are telling the story of slavery as part of American history and telling the individual stories of those who were enslaved, which I think we can all agree is part of our past and we should talk about. But the other part of our history is a move towards freedom, that America is fundamentally not a story about slavery but a movement towards freedom and that slavery should be kept in proportion and labeled as a contradiction to our principles. And that telling the full story means not only talking about slavery, but also talking about the accomplishments of these great men of Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. Isn't, I mean, these guys were, I think, uh, many people, especially uh, unless you have a, a pretty good understanding of history, you go to either one of these places, the home of Thomas Jefferson or James Madison, uh, you know that that there was slavery in America, and you know that those guys owned slaves, if you've had any kind of uh, education in American history. But how many people are taught the, um, about the history of the Constitution and at the time of the writing of it and the and the uh, at the time of the revolution, all the compromises that had to be made, and why slavery wasn't abolished right then at the time of the writing of the Constitution, and also uh, why these guys actually understood that they wanted to end slavery, but they couldn't do it immediately. That, that seems to be something that's, that, is that being taught in school these days? I agree. I don't think it's being taught. It's certainly not being taught well. And if we continue down the current trajectory of the way these homes are teaching the history, we will continue not to teach that history. At Montpelier, for example, there is an exhibit on the Constitution. But rather than talking about James Madison's role in shaping the Constitution, Madison was the father of the Constitution and the primary author of of the Bill of Rights, as well as one of the major authors of the Federalist Papers that ensured the Constitution would pass, rather than talking about those things, Montpelier sets out to prove that the Constitution is a pro-slavery document. And the exhibit ignores certain facts and circumstances and the compromises that you talked about in order to prove that the Constitution is pro-slavery, which really ignores the remarkableness of this document that continues today to be the oldest written Constitution in the world. We're talking to uh, Brenda Hafera. She's with the Center for American Studies at the Heritage Foundation. Um, And according to uh, the New York Post, there are no American flags flying at Montpelier. I certainly believe that is the case. I've not seen that personally mm-hmm. for myself to say whether or not that's true, but considering that the the exhibit they have on the Constitution is about slavery rather than upholding the Constitution as the remarkable document that it is, I certainly can see that how that would fit into the narrative and what is going on at Montpelier. 
I, I, I know you're not a marketing expert, but it just would seem to me that this is not good business for the museum because the word's going to get around. People are going to say, don't go there. You don't want to go there. It's something that parents want to take their kids to. Maybe you don't leave your house in uh, Denver, Colorado to drive to Virginia in order to see it. But if you're in the area, that's one of those things that, hey, we're here. We're going to go to, we're going to, go to Jefferson's uh, museum house. We're going to go to Madison's. Um, what makes them think this can survive with that message? Well, I think it's it's starting to catch up with them. Uh, I think the answer and the solution to pushing back against these homes is that we need to be vigilant. And parents and visitors need to speak out at these sites and indicate what they really think about these sites, writing reviews after they go to these places, and also choosing which places that they support. So Monticello and Montpelier have chosen a certain narrative and are presenting American history in a certain way, but other sites are not. George Washington's Mount Vernon is still doing a very nice job and have has a museum dedicated to the accomplishments of George Washington. Yeah, and um, I, I believe that I saw there's a, a long list of, of big money Democrat donors who are responsible for what's happening at uh, the Jefferson and uh, Madison museums. That's correct. A fellow with the name, by the name of David Rubenstein has donated tens of millions of dollars to both Montpelier and Monticello specifically to fund the slavery exhibits at both institutions. And there's, it, there is, there are, quite a few individuals with considerable resources who have donated to both sites. And is that what's doing the talking, the money? Were these, before this happened, I don't know what, if there's a, a timeline of when this began to evolve into what we're talking about here today, but were, were these places um, struggling for money? And uh, when somebody came along with the big bucks, they just said, whatever you guys want to say here, you, your money's doing the talking right now. I think it's a combination of the funding as well as changes in leadership. So Monticello underwent a change in leadership, and afterwards you saw quite a few of these changes. And Montpelier also underwent a change in leadership in the board. And following this recent takeover of the board, Gene Hickok, who was the president of the board, and Roy Young also stepped down. And David French, who was the leader of the Montpelier Descendant Committee, has been named the new board chair. So unfortunately, in Montpelier's case, I believe we can expect it to just get worse. And what's the solution? Uh, you said stand up and for people who go there to complain, but that's, uh, it's, when you're dealing with that kind of money, and it's gotten this train's rolling down the track. It seems to me that it's um, irretrievable. Well, I think part this needs to be a nationwide effort. Of everyone who goes there, should be speaking their honest opinion and writing a review and talking about what is actually happening at these sites. The National Trust owns 27 historical sites across the country, and 
parents, I would say, in choosing where to go, go to Mount Vernon rather than Montpelier and Monticello. Mm -hmm. Talk to your kids about what is going on at these sites before you go to them. Read the reviews before you go to them so you know what you are walking into. Yeah, I think you hit on it there. I think the, the secret is don't go. Uh, because if people stop showing up, I think it's. I think I saw it's thirty-five dollars for the tour. Uh, I, I just wonder how much they depend upon actual traffic and whether they can survive just on the the big bucks from the donors. Well, they are nonprofits, so I think it's it's a combination of both of both the revenue coming in and also substantial donations coming in from private donors. They are all of these sites, while well, Montpelier and Monticello are both privately owned. So they are not being funded by the government. They are be- being funded by revenue. Mm-hmm. So that is certainly a stream that everyday Americans can impact. And then they are being funded by large donors. Yeah. I, I, if it's up to me, I would be finding someone who wanted to come up with some cash to uh, make some ads telling people not to go and have them run uh, on television in uh, in Virginia and uh, all over the East and tell people if you're planning to tr- take a trip to Thomas Jefferson's home at Monticello, don't go. That that I would like to see that happen because I, I think it's that seems to me to be the only way to, to beat this is to just get people to stop showing up. This is this is what the guide was quoted as saying in the piece I saw in the New York Post. This is the guide t- speaking. The estate made Madison the phil- philosopher, farmer, statesman, and enslaver what he was. Would it be too much to ask to have a guide explain, you know, that the Constitution Madison wrote allowed for the end of slavery? I mean, it'd be just as easy for him to add that, but they don't. <laughs> a little context, yes, a- you know? Yes, and actually... If, if you notice, the word slave or slavery never appears in the Constitution. Right. And that was deliberate on the part of the founders. And Madison himself says that was a deliberate matter of principle to omit from the Constitution the idea that there could be property in men. And this is ultimately politically what enabled the elimination of slavery. And this was deliberate on the part of the delegates at the Constitutional Convention. They were opposed to slavery and put in place measures to ultimately see the extinguishment of slavery. And what do you say to the people who say, yeah, that's really nice, but they own slaves, therefore they're evil people? Because that's, that's the argument you get from supposedly smart people on the other side. Well, I would say I have a great deal to learn from a whole host of sinners, and that is not to overlook their sins, but also to think of the remarkableness of this. Some have said that it is not remarkable that slavery existed in America. It is remarkable that we got rid of slavery. If you look at over the course of human history, every major civilization own slave. And so America is not perfect, but we should not be only focusing on the pitfalls. We should also be upholding the victories, which of which there are many. Hey, uh, Brenda, I'm out of time. I really appreciate you coming on and clearing this up. Uh, it's uh, some sad things going on down there in uh, Virginia. I hope they can fix it before too long. I don't have a whole lot of confidence that they will, but 
We'll see. Thanks for coming on, though. Appreciate it. Thank you, John. Okay, Brenda Hafera of the Center for American Studies at the Heritage Foundation. We'll be right back. When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at windowsarustpittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsarustpittsburgh.com. Charlie Dombeck here from Key City Capital. As a practicing CPA for nearly 30 years, I have found that 80% of your ability to grow your wealth is dependent upon two factors, taxes and investment performance. At Key City Capital, we improve investment performance by diversifying capital into off-market investment opportunities in passive rental real estate and alternatives like asset-backed lending. We recover dollars that clients unnecessarily pay in the form of income taxes, creating a lifetime annuity of savings. We are a sponsor of passive, affordable, single, and multifamily residential rental investments, which are located in Sunbelt landlord-friendly states. These investments are the top choices in a rising interest rate and inflationary environment. They represent a store of value protecting your capital from market volatility. Learn how we at Key City Capital can help you ultimately grow your wealth rapidly. Connect with me at keycitycapital.com or give me a call at 817-912-1569. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, how's this for a headline for you? Michigan business owners in uproar after city decriminalizes public urination, comma, defecation. Pooping on the street is back in the news. This is, this is just unbelievable, the world we're living in. Uh, business owners, uh, this is in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. They, uh, it's their impact uh, on uh, the city's new equitable laws. This is about equity uh, and pooping on the street and equity. I guess uh, you can say that in the same sentence. Bill, Becky, Bill, and Cherry Emery, uh, they, they were on Fox and Friends. Said, I don't have a horrible time outside my shop particularly, but my neighbor has had human feces outside his door. The Pop City Popcorn co-owner also stressed her neighboring store owner's struggle with an increase in littering, a struggle, she says, continues despite ambassadors coming to the area to help clean up. Okay, so uh, this is this is the, what the city has said. It's uh, it's okay because it's they don't want to see people's lives ruined by being charged with a misdemeanor for this. So now it's uh, as a civil offense, they can be fined. What are the chances of someone who's reached a level where they're pooping on the street of paying a fine? That's I just saw you poop on the street. You're getting fined five hundred dollars. Does someone who's willing to do that seem like the type of person who would pay a fine? These are Democrats running the city. They've come up with the. I, I don't have time to get into the reasons they give here, but do you want to hear any of them? 
of why they would change the laws to make it easier for people to poop on the street. That's what's happening in the Democratic-controlled city of Kalamazoo, Michigan. Make sure you take a nice trip up there this summer and check it out. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.